0: Reef Therapy by Reef Builders is powered by ICP Analysis. What's in your water?
1: Hey, Reef Builders, welcome to Reef Therapy episode number seventy-five. That's a big milestone as we approach one hundred. Today, we'll go around the horn. We'll talk about what's going on in our tanks. We're going to break down and dive deep into the ICP article that Sanjay wrote, and uh, we'll get to some of your comments as well at the end. First of all, as we do, let's go around. Uh, What are we drinking tonight, gentlemen?
0: Mark. Uh, So I love this new trend of IPAs that have low alcohol uh, because everything was creeping up and up and up. So uh, now I don't know if you guys have noticed. Now you can get like IPAs that only have like 4% alcohol. Uh, So I'm drinking a Founders All Day IPA.
1: Oh, yeah, those are good. Yeah, I yes. love the
0: name all day. Like, yeah, you can drink them all day. <laughs> um, it, again,
1: has a scene on that that I, I would associate with you. Yeah, I would love one
0: of those old Jeeps with the uh, wood paneling. The uh, What are those Jeeps called? Wagoneers? Wagoneers, yes. Put that, yeah. put that in front of your face. We can't see it if
1: you just kind of can't hold see off. can't Oh, I'm sorry. Us,
0: I don't see it. Yeah. Well, I can put it. There
1: yep,
2: you go. There you go. See, um, Mark's
1: just going through the forest with his canoe.
0: He's gonna go catch some trout. That's know? like my happy place. Um, <laughs> I, I did a I did a run today, and we ended up at the Jekyll Brewery. Uh, Raj, I don't know if you've been there. Uh, yep. Not the one in downtown, but like there's a the actual brewery's like right by where I run, and uh, they had a three percent IPA, which actually was quite tasty. So. I like this is kind of like decaf coffee. Like, what are we doing here? You know? Well... <laughs> and, <laughs> I guess on a Wednesday night. <laughs> on a Wednesday night when you got a podcast to do, like... And, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, Raj, what are you drinking?
2: I, I had a pool thing, so mine's pretty basic. Just a little Corona action. Okay. Nothing special.
1: What do you mean you had a pool thing? What does that mean?
2: Uh, yeah, it was... It was uh, end of season swim team pool party and awards and all that good stuff so a kid pool thing
1: okay so this is a private pool I'm assuming this isn't like sanctioned by the high school
2: (laughs) (laughs) yes a private pool (laughs) this wasn't a high school event it was uh, just like a thing that the coaches do for the kids type of thing
1: nice that's cool is it still the same because i never i never competed in swimming but would you want to just swim as your party even though that's what you do competitively like let's wrap the year with swimming
2: well they did they all jumped in the pool and they were just having a good time but they weren't swimming right they were just in the pool kind of bouncing around and hanging out i mean that but they weren't competing like they weren't doing laps or anything like that but i have seen them do that where they'll do personal challenges because they start talking smack and be like man i could totally beat you in that and then they start racing and but yeah yeah i I bailed early so i don't know if they got to that part yet
1: my favorite thing to do was have somebody toss a a football to you as you're off going Mm -hmm. off the diving board and you know making that that uh that catch in the air that's always fun uh i'm fighting something right now so i have water tonight wow i don't know i was down hard yesterday i don't know what it's just like a runny nose and like head thing and i just feel depleted energy wise um i'm coming out of it now i had a good nap this afternoon but man i don't know what what's going on summer being, being sick in the summer is not okay it should not be permitted Aren't anybody. you?
0: Aren't you moving a bunch of corals around? Like, did you get some pally <laughs> there or something? I know you like your zoas. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: no, I didn't actually. Uh, it, it's been probably five days since I moved the everything to the tub over here. But um, yeah, let's uh, let's get into what's going on in the tank world. Let's start with you, Raj. This week, what's going on?
2: Oh, my, mine's not gone anywhere this Stalled. week. I've, I've been traveling mostly just being delayed and sitting at the airport or sitting in a plane on the ground while they make up excuses. But yeah, I've been MIA. So I haven't had a t- chance to really touch it.
1: Can you talk about where you were at at all? Yeah. Yeah. Top sure. secret.
2: No, no. Went up to, uh, went to New York, went, um, to Andrew Sandler's. He's got the 17,000 gallon reef that pretty much everybody in the hobby, hobby should know by now. Um, but there's some, you know, he's having gas issues, fish with Popeye, <laughs> yeah, things like, like that. And so I went up there to, uh, to diagnose what the problem was, take a look at the overall system and see what needs to be done um, at, at what timeline and how and really how bad the problem is and just come up with a game plan. So that it was a quick visit up there. Okay. And now, is it-
1: from your perspective, what's something that surprised you about it? Because I know that we, you know, we've seen it all on video. I've never been there. Uh, Mark, you've never been there, right? Nope. So what, what's something that surprised you when you first showed up?
2: This visit or first ever? Uh,
1: just in general. Just, yeah, maybe first ever because that would be you know the guideline, I guess.
2: Yeah. I mean, when I first, and this was a very, very long time ago, um, back before there was any coral in there, not very many fish. And what surprised me was just the way a lot of it was set up um, some of the equipment choices, uh, some of the pump choices, just the overall plan. Um, it, it was a hobby system that it was scaled up and we, we've talked about this a bunch recently, but you can't just scale up it's going to end poorly. So, you know, just, just with your turnover rate on, your regular, you us say 150 200 gallon tanks, you're going to have a higher rate of flow through your sump. So what what do most people go for these days, five to 10x, right, something in that range? Yeah. Well, if you try to do that with a 17,000 gallon system, you are going to be moving a ton of water through your filtration. And it's going to be very loud, it's going to take a lot of pump. And it doesn't matter how quiet the pump is. The water itself is going to make a lot of noise and your life support equipment, isn't going to have enough time to do what it needs to do. So just looking at the different things like that, um, what w- was surprising. And, and some of the equipment that was up there, I was surprised to see, just cause those companies had been out of business for so many years by that time. Um, it, w- it was just kind of a shock. Um, But this time it had been it had been a while because we've we've done work up there over the years now, you know, changing out certain life support components to get get the water quality there for the fish to be for the fish to live. Uh, Then taking corrective actions for corals to thrive. And now corals are thriving. So it's just, you know, taking those steps one at a time to. Kind of tackle whatever issues are coming up or what the next phase that he wants to tackle. Um, so this time, uh, this time what surprised me was all the different lighting uh, regimens that he's got going on because he's been going through all of these light experiments to figure out what he likes, what's, what the color rendition you know, looks best to him, uh, and then getting that balance between the corals and the fish because if you're, if you're too blue in the spectrum, the fish colors don't render very well. And if yeah. you're too white, people don't like the lack of pop in the corals. So finding that, that right tweak and he's going through halides, various different LED manufacturers and combinations of them and different lighting schedules just to get it all balanced out. So I don't know if that even answered your question or not.
1: I was thinking, like, is the size, you know, of it? <laughs> is that surprising? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no.
2: One thing that I loved that he did was he sunk the tank down so it's not floor level, right? So yeah. the bottom of the tank is below the floor. It's below grade, uh, which is really, really cool effect. Because nobody wants to see your sand line or the bottom of the tank anyway. It's It's a, I don't know, just not cool to look at. So, it was really cool to see that.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's um
2: I imagine lighting
0: is the big issue with those big tanks because uh, especially when we got out of halides and started to get into LEDs like hearing Richard Ross talk about the California Academy of Sciences and uh and Charles also talking about just their struggles of trying to find like an led that can replace the punch of a halide. And I don't know, I've never had a tank that big obviously, but you know, like flow, they make, you know, there's big pumps out there, um, whether they're all, you know, ready for 24 continuous duty and salts, a different story, I guess, but I just picture lighting being a major hurdle still. And then, and I think we've come a long way, I think, right. I mean, I had those uh, Kessel A500Xs, and to me, like, those were pretty incredible. Not, I, I still think those would be too weak for Andrew's tank, but I was, like, blown away that I could mount them essentially where almost my ceiling begins, and I still had to turn them down, you know. Um, that said, you can punch a light through, but getting that spread, right, getting all the shadowing taken care of. I don't know i that no, i always thought about that like that's still yeah. got to be a headache for a big tank to figure out
2: that's always been the issue for me with leds is is they're very point source lighting right so you don't get that nice spread um or you see the individual led color diodes on mm-hmm. your sand bed and it looks like uh, like a christmas tree down there um, because it doesn't blend that well and so now there's different filters that the manufacturers are using to give that blend so they're It's all getting there, it's all getting better.
0: Yeah, it's just the blanket of light it's gotta be either really expensive or still tough on a large system, right? Because, you know, now everything's, it's funny because I wrote an article on Reef Builders a long time ago that said, look, the problem with LEDs is, You know, compared to halides, which were in a parabolic reflector or T5s, you know, you still have to deal with shadows. And so I started to experiment with the Build My LED. I don't know if you remember that company. Oh, I remember. And just using that as a fill light. And now the industry's coming around and saying, like, it's not the intensity, it's the spread, right? And it's like, well, that's true if you're only dealing with 24 inches. If you're dealing with his tank, right, Andrew's tank, Blanketing that thing with light because you still need the punch, you need the depth penetration of light that you know is hard to do. I mean, you can't put like I don't think they've built like a high power Neptune sky or you know a G6 where it's like lots of little LEDs spread out. It's like, yeah, but those yeah. don't have the penetrating power to go deep you
2: know in a tank so right and the way they've been getting that penetrating power is they're taking warehouse lights just industrial fixtures and putting some blue LEDs in there to give a better color rendition for for our purposes and that's it that's your big cannon or whatever they're called these days
0: yeah you'd almost just need cannons coming at every angle almost a mimic the sources from a parabolic reflector light coming in and on all sides. And that was the sides. cool
2: thing about those, uh, those eco-exotic cannons is that you could do that, right? You yeah. could position them all over the place. I remember uh, ADG, uh, the Sensky brothers, were really good at doing that with all of their displays as they were pretty heavy with, with those lights. And the first time I actually saw them in use was one of Andrew's projects, not Andrew's projects, Mike's projects gotcha
1: yeah the I, I mean we're all used to dealing with two three feet four feet sometimes and <laughs> well how, how many feet tall is that tank
2: oh gosh i don't even remember but it's taller you know i'm six foot tall so it's taller than me
1: probably like eight nine ten yeah. somewhere in that Brett. range yeah yep. yeah it's a lot of water to punch through for sure um well cool uh i'm I guess look forward to the, the problem being solved at some point. Hopefully you can, you can help him with that.
2: Yeah, um, well, you guys haven't seen it, so we should, we should correct that.
1: Oh, yeah. Dude, we should do a Reef Therapy podcast there.
2: Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> as long as I get, I get to
0: see his personatus angels. And his angel collection is just awesome.
2: Oh, yeah. There were some pretty amazing fish in quarantine there. There you go. That's what surprised me. The number of amazing fish that are currently in quarantine. <laughs> Did not expect that.
1: We'll let Mark release them into the tank when we go.
2: Oh, be like doves. <laughs> when he's doing it, we'll play the music. <laughs> well, he's got that
0: sound system. You'll have to do like a, a very touching yeah. soundtrack on that awesome sound
2: system of his. And- yeah. We could do that uh, Take My Breath Away song. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Top Gun all of a sudden. Okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> a little romance with some angelfish. Okay. Uh, Mark, what's going
2: magical. on
0: with you? Did, did you have a Derasa clam that you wanted to give give away? Yeah. So, well, I was just messaging you guys if you guys wanted it. Um, <laughs> now you're put it to the larger audience. And
1: like,
0: <laughs> you know? I mean, I would imagine you probably don't
1: want to ship that thing. You'd probably want it somewhere yeah. local, right? Yeah, I, um, uh... You can find it in the backyard, in that's the right, The first See, person
2: that, to come up with the biggest coral skeleton from his backyard wins the <laughs> dresser. <difference.
0: laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like, I considered that, you, you know, maybe I just, you know, people eat them, so maybe I just let it go. Uh But then I was like, no, it's... I, I don't feel right about a clam. But, uh, yeah, no, I, um... With the passing of my two angel fish, I still don't know why. Every other fish has been fine ever since. No sign of disease. Um, I'm like, well, now I could move, you know. I think we talked about this, some of the LPS that I have down in the basement up to the big display because there's not really any other high-risk fish. But the other point is, though, is like when you get a big clam, they move around when they open and close, and they kind of shift position around and all that, you know. especially if they're on your substrate and they're not attached to a rock. So I have a duresa, and then I have a squamosa. Um, and so they're both getting decently sized, and they're taking up a lot of real estate. I'm like, well, I'd, I should probably get How rid of one of those. How big's your clam, Mark? <laughs> These, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 inches is is too uh too big you know maybe maybe in my head it's 10 inches but in real life it's (laughs) you know things look bigger behind glass right uh anyway would your um,
2: wife say it's 10 inches (laughs) (laughs) confirmed Someone,
1: someone commented, like, this is a frat house, and it's, it's really much Raj's fault. I'm going to blame
0: Raj for all of that. I, my Man. goal is that I don't make a joke that you have to edit out. Because so. <laughs> I'm like 0 for 2 on that now. Um, no, so I don't want to get rid of the blue dot squamosa, which came from Biota, uh, because that was a gift from Jake when we were doing the Aquatic Expo in Atlanta, and Biota had a booth and uh we were off like buying corals and socializing and then he was like uh i bought you a bunch of stuff i was like what he's like come on and he's like a bunch of that and i was like oh i already bought one of those and then we started laughing because it's like <laughs> some random coral frag that we both got excited about without talking to each other so i was like oh see you know and then he's like a bunch of that a bunch of that and then he's like a bunch of that clam i'm like Thank you, you know, and like the clam's awesome. It's beautiful, but it's like you know, clams get big. It's like it's like buying somebody buying you like a tortoise, you know, like they live a long time and they get really big, and you're like, thanks, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so that's the one I'm going to keep, just because uh, one, it's, it's slightly cooler, and two, uh, it you know, it was a gift from a friend, right? So that passed yeah. away. Uh, but the durace was just a random buy, and that is big and you know, I've been having to up my calcium and alkalinity dosing and all that and be kind of nice to get rid of it. So, uh, I got to rehome it Uh, a long time ago. I donated one to the Georgia aquarium, but I doubt they would be doing that anymore. Uh, that was just like a, I knew somebody that worked there kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then I put, uh, I know I'm late to the party that, you know, Julian brought back that big, um, reborn media, but I finally got a bag of that and, you know replenished my substrate and now i actually have the big stuff which is cool um what else did i do oh um i got lazy about calc dosing so i converted the versa doser to dose uh um acropower instead just because i'm that's the thing about you know i always joked i uh I, I follow careful – no, ca- yeah, careful neglect instead of careless neglect where it's like I just try mm-hmm. to be honest with myself and say, are you really going to keep up with that Kalkwasser dosing or, you know. <laughs> so I just – I still do it on one tank, but on the big tank, I was like, Yeah.
2: That's – do you Pretty much the question that? I always asked myself, and the answer is always like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that, so <laughs> let's get equipment that's going to sort that exactly. out. Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah, like, careful neglect is just being honest with, like, you know, like, everyone's, like, New Year's resolution, like, I'm going to get in shape this year, and, like, when it comes to reef keeping, it's like, I'm going to set up a non-photosynthetic tank, and I'm going to feed it every day, I'm going to get, like, carnation corals, and, like six months in, are you really going to be doing that and then mm-hmm. doing the wine? So, yeah, that's what I call careful neglect. Just, you know, set up your yeah. tank in a way that you can manage it and things thrive and, uh, you know, build your equipment in a way that supports your habits. And, yeah, so. so.
1: You don't have to refrigerate Acropa, right? Nope. Okay. Well,
0: shoot, I might. Yeah, I have never have, so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I feel like I used it I used it probably four or five years ago and I don't remember, but it says it says on the website it does not need to be refrigerated, though do not keep it in an overly warm location. So
0: mm. that's one of the so amino acids I'm pretty skeptical about additives, but um back in two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two when um uh, I was to toot my own horn. I was like the first to start talking about red bugs on Reef Central, uh, the Tagastes, and we had no idea. Like and you know, and then um, uh, the guy from Ora, Dustin, had not really re- you know like we hadn't figured out that you could use um, interceptor to kill him, and all my acros were just turning sickly and pale because of these damn red bugs. And then um, it was Salifert's amino acids that we started dosing. And a lot of the corals suddenly could handle the uh, the parasite. So it's like it didn't get rid of the parasite, but the coral was able to color back up and sustain itself, even though it had these little Tegastes pods, you know, just munching on them all day long. I don't know if it gave them what they needed to produce slime or, you know, I don't know. But, it, I mean, it was real apparent, like, oh, shit, I just... Guess I gotta dose this from now here on out, and then of course, luckily we found a way to kill those red bugs. But um, so I have, it's like there's something there with the amino acids. I think it definitely makes a difference. So I, I continue sense. to dose it. Yeah,
2: I mean, just just thinking of our biology and what you know. I mean, if you're taking workout supplements, you're taking protein powder, right? But it's really yeah. common for people to take protein shakes. But what our, what our body does was that with that is it breaks the proteins down into amino acids and then your body uptakes those aminos. So you just skip a step, skip the whole digestive track and conversion, go straight aminos and you're going to have a way better percentage of uptake there. So it just kind of, in my mind, makes sense that it's going to work with all life forms in that, in that regard. So now it's just finding that blend of aminos or the type of aminos that are going to work.
1: Yeah, I'll stop dosing whey protein to my tank now. Thanks, Rush.
2: You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> they really like chocolate. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: Mark, is that are you are you are you complete? I, yeah, I mean I probably more than you wanted to know. <laughs> no, I love it. That's what this is for. I got a new coral, guys. Ooh! I picked this up today, and uh, I haven't bought a coral in a long time, and like a nice one. Saw the price on this, and I was like, "Okay, I'll bite." So I got that guy. That's uh, it's very a, cool. That's uh, a
0: torch coral. What those? Do you are know the, the name? I don't because I don't know all the naming. This is a torches. hellfire. Ooh,
2: <laughs> hellfire!
1: uh But I got it for a hundred bucks. Two heads for a hundred bucks. I felt like that was a decent price for a really, pretty really good. Yeah. So right next to that, so if you see right down here in the bottom, this little guy right here yep that's a uh, dragon soul which was previously my most colorful torch and it like pales in comparison to the color on this new one so hopefully it keeps it it's pretty small like it's like it's pulled in right now so obviously those colors are condensed but hope it keeps it hope it hope it grows a lot of those indo corals do really well in the hobby it's the australian corals that oh it's it's like they're good for six to eight months and then then they're not good, and then they just go they, away. So They need their aminos. Yeah. For those of you that keep great Australian torches, congratulations for that. Um, I bought a couple things, um, not coral. So I got this guy.
0: Oh, oh the squeegee? fan squeegee. <laughs> 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 I don't
1: know. Was it Than or was it Jake that first got this?
0: Because this is in the studio. First time I saw it was Jake, but I watched your recent... Uh no, it wasn't you guys. It was. Uh, yeah, he did a he did an Amazon. Yeah, he did haul like best video. things to buy at Amazon. Yeah, yeah, that's where I saw
1: it. Yeah, so I've used it a couple of times. It's okay. Um. <laughs> it's a, if, if anything gets on the squeegee part, like for instance, I just used it on the uh, sliding glass door that we have upstairs to the backyard, and there's like a dog hair on the top of the squeegee part. And you can see that line go all the way across. And I was like, well, it defeats the purpose of this. So, But uh, I also got this guy, too. A label maker.
0: Nice. Nice.
1: So this, also from Than's Inspiration. But the one that he has is like $250 and comes with a Pelican case. And I was like, yeah. I don't think I need all that. (laughs) And then uh, update on the tank. The Red Sea 625 G2 is going up on the stand on friday of this week and i've got a buddy coming over and he's gonna bring over the family we're gonna have dinner and all that kind of stuff and literally it's it's all 10 feet of a lift here to put it up on the stand um some trials and tribulations that i've had with it so far the stand is not fun to put together i think anybody who's had a red sea knows this anything that comes flat man i just i cower in fear I don't know how many like of, of my daughter's toys and my son's toys over the years. It's like a castle or it's very three dimensional, like kitchen or something. And it comes in a box this big and it's flat. And I'm like, Oh,
0: and you have to assemble yeah. it yeah. after oh, the kids yeah. go to bed on Christmas yeah. Eve oh, when you're the worst. ready to fall asleep yourself. Yeah. Dude,
1: you nailed that, that yep. picture. Um, and then uh, we're actually going to, I think I'm going to put it on a different wall than I originally anticipated. So once I got all of the tanks out of this room that I was, I'm going to take out, uh, it just doesn't make sense. So behind me is this, I don't know if you can see this, like countertop. And then, so the tank would go here, but you wouldn't, these the drawers all the way in the end would not be functional. And so if that's the oh. only tank behind me it would look like I'm a crazy person to just stick that in front of a counter for a, a camera angle. So I'm just going to have to switch up my angle a little bit and we're going to put it up on the blank wall where the frag tank was. So, um,
0: but yeah, you're, I'm still living that tub life. You're, you're talking to a guy who has no reef, has never had aquarium related content in the background. <laughs> <So> <laughs> and people have called that out so many times. So I think, I think you're, uh, you're winning yeah you'll be fine
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know i i I just feel like it would not make sense on that wall back there with that cat with how how long it is and um so yeah but the only issue now is i put the tub where i need to put the tank so i have to move the tub now it's (laughs) it's very heavy (laughs) Uh, but i'll be employing my friend for that move as well but i'm excited to get this thing up i'm gonna leak test it this weekend and you know throw some water in there and Give it twenty four hours and just, you know, see what's up and level it out. I've heard that takes
0: forever. So are you uh what lighting are you going with it? Is it like the full Red Sea spec, like Red Sea lights and all that?
1: Yep. The nice. Red Sea one sixties, I think. Yeah. I got three of those. So it's it's a little overkill, but I think it will allow me the versatility to pretty much grow whatever in there. Um, I have the reef mat, I have a skimmer from Red Sea that wow. That doubling up might be a little overkill. I don't know if I'll have, if I'll run the skimmer all the time or I don't know. We'll see how the nutrient, you know, game plays out a year from now. Obviously, it's hard to kind of calculate that now, but I feel like a skimmer and a reef mat might be a little much, but we'll see. Um, yeah. Are you so, going
0: to use the refugium component in the sump or?
1: I don't know. I, the, this tank that I had, the frag tank, I can kind of show you that. Um, so that that sump, you see that giant refugium on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that refugium is probably thirty thirty five gallons. It's substantial for you know a forty five gallon tank, uh, and it just got messy. It just got so messy. If I do anything, it'll probably be like something some macro algae of some sort. But I don't know. I have you, you just seen start,
2: the ones with the like the spinning ball of macro?
1: Yeah. Jake had that for a little bit. Yeah,
2: Jake had that. Yeah, that's always been fascinating to me. Yeah, I know that I wouldn't maintain it properly, so it would get dirty. <laughs> so I never did it, the, but I always the, wanted to.
1: The sump that they have at Top Shelf Aquatics that has all the dragon's breath macro yes. in there—that's that's pretty sweet. And the, yeah. You know, they light it up with some blues down there to to showcase yeah. it a little bit. But that that stuff tumbling around is fun. I don't know, we'll see. Uh, there's a lot of up in the air right now. I don't have a solid plan, but I know that I don't I know that I wanna be able to go into the sump and clean it and get the detritus out and yeah. all easier said than done at this point, but I know that I don't want the issues that I had with the previous tank with that refugium. Even though the biofilter was probably amazing. You know, it was probably going through so much and there were so many pods and you know, great microfauna in there that was doing a lot of jobs and things like that. But I was really afraid that I was going to come across a bristle worm the size of my arm. I got to (laughs) be honest, as I was like scraping that out. I was like, I'm going to I'm going to come across something I don't want to see because there's, you know, I had a lot of the uh, marine pure blocks that had just been kind of stacked up in the back corner. And, you know, they get all up in that and underneath it and around it. And I knew once I took that out, there was going to be something that scared me. And there was. It wasn't a bristle worm. I forgot that I put a pom-pom crab in my sump when I took down my little Pico tank. And that dude was still alive. He was like, you know, it's like, I woke him up from his slumber or something. I was scooping out with a, uh, with a dustpan just to get all the crap from out of the bottom of that. And this little dude just comes up. He's still got his anemones in his hands. And I'm like, oh, what? Dude's been alive for at least four years now. Nice. and I think that that's pretty substantial for a pom-pom crab I don't know you invert that's pretty good experts yeah. like Let me good know, but yeah so he's in the he's in the tub right now I don't know if he's got as much to eat in there but
0: uh, I yeah. think you'll if you want to clean sump that roller mat you're going to like it because it's, it's one of the side benefits is that your sump just you know stays a lot more clean like uh, yeah. you know your skimmer your pump uh, yeah, everything just you know, things don't build up or grow as much because uh, it all gets caught. So I think, yeah, I, I if I was doing a roller mat, I wouldn't do, uh, like, any macroalgae, in my opinion. So I think I like your plan. I like yeah. your strategy. It just,
1: I, I mean, you really don't know, and this for a lot of beginners out there, you really don't know what your tank's going to do in the first year. You know, you really don't fall into... Yeah. You don't fall into the tank's routine until year, year plus, you know, so. I think all the, the
0: first year sucks no yeah. matter what. It just <laughs> yeah. sucks. It's like you're so excited and it's just a headache and then, yeah, yeah, yeah
1: it's. Yeah. All the filtration, you know, is, is up in the air until you kind of figure it out and figure out what your tank's going to do and what, you've, what you stock it with, you know. If you're going to be SPS heavy and all that. You know, what are you dosing? These are all stuff, the, the topics that we can get into in
0: the future. But yeah. Something ma- to think about imagine sure. telling a customer that, like a local fish, store, like, the first year is just going <laughs> to suck. <laughs> yeah, like just, how many people would you talk out of it? Oh my gosh. Let me tell you about the uglies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
2: but don't they do that with puppies when you buy one? True. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know if it would really dissuade anybody. Yeah,
0: it's a good analogy, so
2: right? I would think so. Plus, I mean, we all have we all have that attitude that that's not going to happen to me. Right? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I know more. I'm in this Facebook group, so I know all the things. <laughs> <right>?
1: <laughs> Don't let me get out of this Facebook group, because I will also tell you all the things outside of this Facebook group as well that's in true. another Facebook group. In another um, one. We, did, we had a guy that commented, because I, I posted up, like, what's your favorite anemone? And he said that nobody calls it Ritteri anymore. And, what do they call it? But he he didn't say what they call it now. So maybe if he's listening, he'll he'll let us know. But um, our Jeremy, one of our lead writer, had said, "Well, it comes in on all the on the import sheets like that still. So professionally, it's called that still as well." And we go back to this whole taxonomy thing where everything changes. Yeah. You know, he he had, Jeremy had said that the Jack Dempsey has changed. Uh, species like four times in his lifetime, but we just call it a Jack Dempsey. <laughs> you know, that's just what it's what it's called uh, from a common from the common man standpoint,
0: at least. Um, yeah, it was named after a boxer because it's such a pugnacious fish, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I remember having
1: one of those when I was a kid. Yeah, they're
0: like, you, yeah, you, you, you have any other fish in there? Because it's probably gonna be a little. That like convict cichlids, like everyone had their run in with convict cichlids, which are like, they're mean and they're, they reproduce like crazy, like they're, (laughs) you know, I'm surprised those never ended up in Florida, you know, like they've got uh (laughs) peacock bass and Oscars, I'm surprised convict cichlids didn't take over all of Florida, (laughs) you
1: know. We did a, we did a story this week on the radio show about how, I forget, I think they're are they lion head bunnies or lion's mane bunnies they're just a domestic bunny that you can get at the pet store and i guess there was a breeder in one of these neighborhoods in fort lauderdale and she just left all the bunnies there and they got out so in this neighborhood <laughs> there are just all these really super cute bunnies everywhere which is which is funny but at the same time like they need to be rescued they can't they're not going to be able to survive or can they cuz it's florida I don't know. These are all these are all good questions, yeah. but we it was funny because we are kind of we do this segment on the show called the unprofessional news where it's just like funny news stories, and it was funny because my you know the, my hobby and career were kind of like crossing over, and I was like, this is why they have the python problem. This is why there's chameleons in trees <laughs> now. <laughs> Florida's environment <laughs> is just begging for this kind of stuff. So, um, but imagine pulling into your yard and you've got like you know calico
0: colored. <laughs> Bunnies, Bunnies with these huge floppy ears, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be
2: fantastic. That
0: reminds me, I got to thank you for a rabbit hole I went on into was, um, oh, shoot, I forget her name, uh, from the Butterfly Pavilion. You guys... Sarah. Chatted, Sarah. And she started talking about these tree snails in Hawaii, and there's like this one tree the one. they live on. And, and uh, you know, like we, we went to during covid and all the craziness we ended up going to hawaii you know two years in a row which wasn't cheap but like i fell in love with that place and it's it's like if you're an aquarist and you like to snorkel and i mean it's beautiful right it's there's amazing nature topside and you know below the water but uh so i i went down like Three like eleven o'clock at night, like I'm still like googling about these snails, and I'm just reading all these Wikipedia's about <laughs> snails, and then eventually you're like, "What am I doing?" You know. So, but it was interesting. It was pretty fascinating uh, to learn about them. So yeah, thank you for that.
1: You thank got you, it. Sarah. If you, if you missed that episode, I learned so much about inverts and like uh the black market for inverts is crazy like oh yeah those butterflies, butterflies you guys were talking about yeah, those yeah. are real
0: big uh queen that, what
1: are they called queen something i don't know yeah. they're huge they're they're they call them like a swallowtail butterfly or something cuz they're the size of a bird
0: and yeah I, I had no idea those existed and and you know i have a degree in biology i'm like thanks university of colorado <laughs> 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 you know
2: yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, so. check that check that episode out if you haven't uh if you're listening to this and she's she's brilliant. I can't wait to to go and visit the butterfly house. I know that Jake used to go there all the time. Um it's but. interesting
0: cuz I yeah, I went to the University of Colorado in Boulder and when I started dating who's now my wife, my girlfriend in college uh back in 96, 97. 90, no, we we met in 98. I don't know she I hope she's not listening. Um
2: <laughs> Dark Mark. <laughs>
0: But we went there all the time Uh, and they didn't have any aquariums and they were pretty tiny in the 90s, late 90s. They were still, but it was an awesome place to go when it was cold, dreary, snowy Colorado. You know, you just like, you walk in and there's butterflies and plants and it was just like beautiful. And, you know, never would I have imagined that it would grow into what it is today. And that's super awesome. Like, so, and what's weird is I go to Colorado every year to visit my wife's family. And like, we have not been back since our college days. So, uh, again, thank you. It reminded me like I'm going to be there in December for Christmas and I'm going to go try to make a point and go in there. So yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah.
2: Hit up Sarah. We should, we should coordinate. Yeah, I should, we should coordinate you can, that. You guys uh, can geek out on the snail.
0: <laughs> I need to stop by the reef builder studio. If you yeah. guys can make that
2: happen. I would love to see it. I think, yeah. I think we know a guy. Got
0: some, uh, got some rain.
1: (laughs) My gosh, Jack sent me uh, some video of the amount of rain that's happened in Colorado over the past two or three weeks or whatever, and just substantial amounts of rain. Uh, so yeah. My wife was
0: there last month, uh, visiting her family while I went on that backpacking trip. And she's like, I've never been to Colorado and have it rain every day, you know? And it just, they would make plans and it's like, Oh, it's raining. My God, it sounds like Atlanta, you know? So. Yeah.
1: Jack said that uh, how how Golden is positioned, and I'm not familiar with how it is on, like in the mountains or whatever, but he said they get slammed even harder uh, because of where it's located in the mountains. So, huh. so that's interesting. Uh, we're taking the kids to the zoo. We're going to St. Louis Zoo on Friday, which I'm exci- excited about. They have a little butterfly pavilion there. Um, last time we were there, I, this massive butterfly, this, uh, owl butterfly is what it's called. Oh, those are cool. I know it those. looks like it. It's like an owl looking at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huge, huge butterfly. But our, the St. Louis zoo has a really cool lagoon, like nem tank. Um, and then they used to, they've since, uh, demolished the kids zoo area. They're revamping that. But they used to have a little reef tank in there, too, that was just taken over by uh, shrooms and GSP. <laughs> and I remember talking <laughs> to the life support guy there, and he's like, you know, if GSP and shrooms grow all over the rocks, then you don't have an algae problem, because the algae doesn't have anywhere to grow. <laughs> That's
2: right. He's but got I,
1: I whenever a point. Silver so lining. Any, whenever anybody would, uh, would go and see that tank, I would always get a picture of it. They're like, who's coral? Remy likes
2: coral. <laughs> Here we <you> go. <laughs> the coolest lagoon. Have you guys been to Steinhardt? No. Uh, so on top of their reef, they've got a lagoon up there at, at just at the very top, and it's super super cool. It's got all kinds of. It's got the clams up there. You've got the um, uh, anemones, and just that's where the water dumps in. So you get this cool effect yeah. up there. It's just so cool. I could stand up there just for hours watching that
1: very cool we need to go on some field trips Hmm. because if we do live podcasts we can do them anywhere you know that's true so all right well we are 40 minutes in let's get to the topic at hand we Um, talked about aquariums but most of the time though that's true that is true that is their guy this (laughs) is gonna (laughs) be let us know (laughs) this is gonna be a hot topic um sanjay recently did a A comparison of different ICP testing in the hobby and wrote a whole reef builders article about it and it kind of it blew up in a couple different ways so I think people some people misunderstood it I think some people were like okay this is good information I'll you know put that in my my tool belt and take that on my journey and I think some people were a little confused as to why this is all happening so he says it in the first couple sentences of the article. The intent of this article is to compare various ICP methods with respect to several criteria as listed below: samples needed, cost and speed of results, presentation of results and comparison of results. So there's not really a whole lot of you know, we're not getting into the nitty-gritty sciency part of this per se. It's more of a, a broad overview of the tests that he had in his inventory at the time, and what that process would be like for an average hobbyist. And I think a lot of people were confused. Raj, would you say that that is the case?
2: That would be a very accurate description of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, people were confused. People were angry. There was some random nonsensical responses or comments that had nothing to do with the article. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was just, it was really strange that. People really, I think they went into it with different expectations and then just stuck to that yeah. rather than reading that sentence and saying, oh, okay, this is what this is.
1: Yeah. He also says the actual quality of the test results is not the goal here, as this is an easy, this is not an easy to establish due to the lack of verified traceable standards for seawater. I think of the ICP providers, I think the ICP providers should take the onus to convince us that their tests. Are accurate and yeah, I I mean just judging from the results, which are kind of all over the place from you know all of these different um, testing devices, that's probably a good thing to do here. Um, One person suggested that you test it against you know laboratory um, laboratory results, not just these machines that would do that. Uh, and I don't know, I, I guess I, uh, let's start this conversation by what, what do you guys feel ICP testing is
0: doing for the hobby, whether good or bad? So I will say what I, I'll say two things. One is um, I didn't read all the negative comments, uh, so I don't know what, you know, what they were getting angry about, but I'll postulate that some of them are probably angry about the massive discrepancies sometimes. Um, and I guess I will try to empathize a little bit with them only because there is the way ICP sometimes is, I don't want to say marketed, but the way that hobbyists see an ICP test is like that, you know, it's this big fancy machine that, you know, converts your water into a gas and then uses, um, I don't I'm not gonna even try to explain, you know, a mass spectrometry and all that I even said that wrong. But the idea being that like I'm going to get the source of truth and my little hobbyist grade test kit yes. is inconsistent. So I think there's this just general uh, maybe a misconception too, but uh, that that we've all just sort of thought of ICP as this golden standard for, you know, that like, hey. If it says your phosphate's this, this is what your phosphate is. Now, that said, Richard did uh, an article about it a long time ago and kind of highlighted some of the differences. There's different ways that these tests are done. There's different calibrations. Things happen to the water in transit. So when the water gets tested makes a difference. So I think for anybody that was really paying attention, they probably already ruled that idea out. But I do, I imagine there's a lot of hobbyists that thought, "Hey, I'm paying forty, fifty dollars to get very accurate data, right?" So I can sort of empathize, whereas maybe some people felt angry about that because I think. I couldn't pull up all the marketing right now in front of me and review it, but I, I, my gut feeling is that's sort of how it was presented to us and marketed to us, right? Um, I had paid attention to what, you know, Rich had said a long time ago, and, you know, I had some good discussions with Jake about it. For me, ICP testing was not for me to dial in the tiny trace elements or uh the they're not even called trace elements at some point but like you know people are talking about vanadium and this and that I I never went down that path right no. of little drops of this and that um but where it has come in really handy is when something is wrong and I don't know what is wrong um cuz even if the value of this ICP's test says it's I don't know 20 parts per billion and this one says it's 40 bad things should usually be zero. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if it's copper, if it's uh, you know, if I have a magnet doing bad things. Um although copper is a weird one, as Than would tell you in terms of ICP testing. But um so it's really helped me at times kind of figure out what's wrong. So I, I do think there's value there. Um I think it does warrant a larger discussion. Like if you're doing these micro doses of these tiny little things that are bare, like in the parts per billion in natural seawater, and then you're relying on an ICP test to dial that dosing in. There's, there's definitely a spirited discussion to be had there, but that discussion doesn't just land on ICP. It's also like, well, what are those elements actually doing? And are you, you know, is there a bit of a confirmation bias that you th- think it's helping or you know does a core really care if something that's in the parts per billion is at this level or that level that's just my take on it i don't
1: yeah we did see we saw the moonshiners method in full force with jeff's tank i don't know if you saw that video yeah and
0: his tanks were beautiful so i'm not trying to you know i i mean the hobby is a spirited discussion where we all you know are passionate about things and I may not disagree with that type of dosing mechanism, but or dosing methodology. That said, his tanks are beautiful, and I'm not going to go sit here and say, like, maybe there is something there, right? Yeah. Maybe there's some truth there. I don't know.
1: He um, said, he said he, you know, pouring two liters of fluoride straight up in your tank is, I don't know, that's a little jarring to me. I, I've never done it, but, uh, you know, so if you don't know what the moonshiners method is, essentially what it is, you send off a test, an ICP test, once a month from those results. They provide you every trace element that you can, you know, that's available on, I believe they use ATI. I don't know if you can use any one that you want, but um, they provide you with all those elements. Then you throw it into a calculator and it says, okay, you need to do 15 drops of manganese. You need to do uh, 10 drops of strontium. And those are daily doses. And then you have monthly corrections that you also need to make, too. And those are usually larger, like the two liters of fluoride that he need, needed to dump into his tank. So, um, I don't know. Like you said, it's, it's working for him. But he's also relying, and a lot of the Moonshiners guys are relying on that ICP test, which you know, now we've seen fluctuates from test to test. But is there something to be said about using the same test over and over again To make sure that your results are somewhat consistent from that same machine that you've been using
0: that's a great point right because uh you know take my i have a scale up in my bathroom that supposedly measures body fat right and so those times of the year where i'm motivated to try to do something about it i uh, i use that to track right now the gym has a much more fancy piece of equipment to measure my body fat percentage but the number doesn't matter so much as much as the change in the number right so yeah. if my home scale says i'm at 20 percent body fat and then i go down to 15 and the gym says I'm at 30%, I went to 25. And it's like, well, that's good. Like both are arguing that I've dropped my body fat by 5%. And I do think that maybe picking an ICP vendor who has a consistent way of testing and they use their way of calibrating like could be useful, right? In that regard, so. But going back to your moonshiner or DSR, which is what, like the Dutch guy, I'm Dutch, so, you know, shout out to (laughs) Dutch reef keepers, but (laughs) is it Dutch synthetic reef keeping? Um, Triton method, if they're saying, well, you need it at this parts per billion, like I could see ICP being valuable to say I've increased my concentration to this, like up 5%, but you know, what is the the destination number may not actually, you know, be what it is or who knows what it is, right? So
2: Right. And I think that was the point of his article wasn't to really say that I think what people expected him to do is show the validity of e of the test, to say, okay, this is the one company that's accurate. And that wasn't his point. Right. His point was that you're gonna spend thirty dollars for this test and here are my results and you're gonna spend $40 for this test and here are my results. And you're gonna see that each company comes back with a different result, right? You're getting a different number. And if you have a test that is supposedly accurate to whatever degree, then they shouldn't be that, there shouldn't be that much variation between them. So the point that he was really driving home is that we need for the icp companies to provide us with more information that they should be doing independent third-party certifications or testing calibrations that they can provide i mean this is pretty standard on even scales so commercial Mm -hmm. scales have to be tested and calibrated and you have to show that the, your report that look, my scale has been tested and calibrated by this independent company that does that. And that's, I think the point of his article, that's what he's driving home is that right now it's marketing and you're just believing whatever the perceived, you know, whatever that perception is that we have either through marketing or just we're naive enough to have just taken that as gospel that These are super accurate scientific machines where in in reality, they may not be. And it may not be that they're it, or it may be due to lack of maintenance or, you know, technician error or whatever it is, calibration, who knows, but unless these companies are providing us with that feedback of what they're doing to their machines to ensure that we're getting accurate results, how are we to know? Because you can't test them against each other. There has to be a known variable, right? You have to have that known standard that says, okay, this element has been proven in this batch of water to be X value. And then you can send that to each lab and get the results back and see at that point which one is the most accurate. Yeah.
0: And they use ICP testing, you know, in labs. They use the government, you know. So there are ways to calibrate against a standard right like there's there's gotta be and so the there
2: definitely is because this isn't this isn't created for our industry correct there's a much much broader use for these machines and the technology exists out there there is certifications there is testing there's calibrations that are out there are the aquarium icp companies doing any of that yeah
1: two things uh I think that, so the, I think the main thing that this that this uh, article did was show the discrepancy between what Mark said where we think the ICP test is like that's it. These are these yeah. numbers are gospel. I remember when I first got mine back and uh, this is when you were sending it off to Germany and you get your results like <laughs> two or three weeks later. Um, and now you can get it you know ICP analysis does it in three days, which is awesome. Um, and the fact that these numbers can be all over the place. Um, The second thing is one of the comments was uh, from a guy named John Caba. He said, why wasn't water also sent to an accredited environmental lab? We know nothing about these labs. Are they using an EPA method or their own? Do they have any accreditation? Um, what is their proficiency testing frequency? Do they even do PTs? Are they using CRMs? Those are acronyms I am not familiar with, but uh, but yeah, yeah he, I mean, he's it, dead like, what's what's yeah. the standard? You know, like yeah. Raj said, what's the what are we what are we trying to get to? What is the gold standard? And then are these machines showing us the accurate information? And then revealing what they're doing to make that information as accurate yeah. as possible.
2: And he's right, except that wasn't the point of this paper.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, taking things as they are today, you know, is there value? Um, I think so. You know, one is, if something's really horribly wrong, then you know calibration be damned, you know you're you're gonna see that something's there. Um, I think certain things are hard to test with ICP. Uh, phosphate's a great one, and he Sanjay brought that up in the article. Um, and then I've heard people advocate, uh, I, I don't know if it was Reef Labs and Chris Meckley, but when your tank is jamming and everything's thriving and go if you have your favorite ICP vendor, you know, I could see there being value of taking a baseline and the numbers don't really matter It's just if that person, if that company has a consistent method of calibrating their machines, of testing the water, if there's consistency on their side, similar to the difference between the body fat scales, you can set a baseline with that vendor of ICP that says, these are the, this is what your test tells me when my tank is thriving, so when things go bad, I will get a test from you or just, you know, I'll do a quarterly test with you. And if something starts to get out of whack, then again, it's the net change that I care about, right? Because I know I know things were great when things were at this number. And you might tell me, your report might tell me that my uh, my nickel is too high or, you know, whatever. And I'm just going to ignore your advice on that. <laughs> oh, you should dose this and that. And i'm just going to take that as my baseline right assuming that if i drop five percent in body fat the hundred dollar scale and the one at the gym are both going to tell me that there's been an equivalent net change it's just that they are going to tell me that my body fat is a different percentage um that could be a way to leverage things as the way they are but like my vitamins and nutritional stuff that I take that gets sent to independent labs to certify that the thing I'm throwing in my body is actually what they advertise on the bottle. It would be nice to see some standardization, right? Um, We all have refractometers and I had a tank that looked like crap and uh, you know, Um, couldn't figure it out. I did it. I shipped off an ICP test and everything else. And the ICP test told me that my salinity was too high. And I was like, huh? My refractometer said everything was great, but I had a standard solution of, uh, you know, from bulk reef supply. And like, I threw like, Hey, this is what, you know, 1.025, you know, um, was it parts per million? I don't know. Jake would yell at me like, I'd always get that one in the 35. <laughs> awesome. This should be 35 PPT. Okay, so I put that on my refractometer, and I realized my freak Tam refractometer was way off and needed to be recalibrated. And once I recalibrated I was like, oh, you know what? The ICP test was actually right. My salinity was through the roof because I dosed two-part, and two-part will eventually creep your salinity up. Uh, I fixed it. Corals were happy, right? So it, I do thank ICP for... Making me realize that, right? Were they maybe perfect in the salinity? I don't know. But, um,
2: but they didn't have to be.
0: No. Uh, they just had See, to tell if, me if it was you're high. you're using
2: it like that, that's a, that's, it really doesn't matter if it's dead accurate or not. It's just right. going to show you where there's an issue. right? So that, that's one use case for it. But I think more people want from it is that level of accuracy to be able to say, no, I want to do these micro-adjustments. And so I want to know exactly what my salinity is and what, you know, how much phosphate I have or calcium, like what, what are these levels and then your, your quirky ones like fluoride and whatnot. but without that independent analysis there, without some sort of calibration and, and certification, it's going to be really difficult. They have to sell us on this. I mean, the onus is on them.
1: But I think I I would be willing to pay sixty seventy dollars if they could show a certificate that says Hey we have been yeah you know, oh, this is this is our third party test or you know whatever whatever that is because I personally am not doing I probably do an ICP test maybe two three times a year which I feel like is standard unless you're doing one of the like Moonshiners method or if it's just part of your practice to do that every month just to get a good gauge but. I mean, I think I'd I'd pay a little bit more to know that it's
0: it, it's uh, it's been checked. You know, I, I think until that happens, that's when we can really start to have a serious discussion about these these really trace you know small trace elements and stuff, right? Um, When you watch these YouTube videos and they're like, what do you keep your nitrates up? And they're like, well, I just I like to keep it at 10 parts per million or, you know, 15 parts per million. When it drops down to five, you know, it's again, it's the net changes that I think matter. But it's like nobody can sit here and convince me that, you know, oh, you have better coral coloration at this exact parts per million of nitrate because we don't know how accurate those results are even with our own test kits, right? Uh, it goes, I think the bigger question is, is like, what does this mean about chasing numbers? Right. And that's this hobby. There's a lot of hobbyists that chase numbers. And I'm a self-professed eyeball reefer. I'm like, yeah, something doesn't look right. Right. Like you got yeah. those canary in the coal mine corals, like, you know, something's not right. I don't know what my alkalinity is half the time, but I know I'm dosing alkalinity and there are carbonates available for my corals to absorb Um, I don't know, I, I, the, the number chasing to me is almost a bigger discussion. It's like, until we, until we have a a true source of truth that is verifiable, like, how do you, how do you argue how much vanadium or, like, I've, I've tinkered with manganese dosing because I love flower pots, right? Gonioporas. And. I do see some benefit to dosing it, but it's it's a multi supplement that also has iron in it and stuff. And guess what? My macroalgae likes it too. And yeah, but I mean, it's I, I couldn't tell you like, oh, keep it at this level. You know, this is the level. You know, it's like I don't know. You yeah. Know?
1: Well, so. Jeff's amaze balls ghanes look great. I mean, those are probably the best. And there you I've go. Seen so
0: so, but I dose manganese fries. and my uh, my both my amaze balls are not. Amazed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're just balls. <laughs> yeah, they're just balls. I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm not even touching it. <laughs> uh, there is one, low-hanging balls for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there is uh, there's one comment here uh, from someone that is doing Reef Shiner's, or the Moon Shiners method. Uh, Rick says, I've been doing Reef Moon Shiners, and many of us have seen great results in an entire community now. Now, I am cautious about corrections, and often does less than what is suggested. He says, I mostly look for trends, as Sanjay has suggested. So, I think that that, being one of the main parts of this article is just kind of looking at trends and being aware. And I think what Sanjay did, and the bigger picture, is start the conversation exactly. of this. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> right. Because because they do need to be held accountable because there are a bunch of hobbyists that are sending in monthly tests and that's it's not cheap. I mean, I know this hobby isn't necessarily cheap in general, but when you're sending off $40, 50 bucks a month, that's a that's a subscription. You know what I mean? That's yeah. A, but
2: you want to know that you're getting what you're paid for, and it's not just even the test because yeah. they're paying that. 30 to $50 on the test. Then they're spending money on all these supplements that they're being told that they need to adjust. So it, the issue is compounded, you know, they're spending all this money. And I mean, I'd want to know, I want to know that if you're making me spend this money, tell me that you are giving me the accurate information. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and
0: that's, that's what Sanjay does, right? He did it back in the day with halides, right? He started testing all the bulbs. And you had all of these camps of these bulb fanatics, right? And then all of a sudden, uh, he started posting all this data and it started the discussion and it changed the landscape of lighting and reef keeping. So it, it
2: did. And cause he presents the data, right? Yep. He just does the work, presents the data and says, here's the data, make of it what you will. He doesn't tell you that the, he didn't say that this company sucked. He just said, here's the data. Here's how much their test cost. This is how long it took. If that's important to you, because that's important to me. Mm-hmm. I want it back ASAP, but you know, I, maybe I'm just super impatient, but I, I don't want it to take a week, two weeks or anything like that. The quicker I can get it back, the better, um, pricing. If I can get an accurate test that I can get back quickly for a, a lower amount. Well, now, now we're winning again. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So now the, now the next part is accuracy is it certified, so if it's now certified and it's more proven to be accurate, or there is at least some level of standard there that I can sit back and and maybe just satiate that curiosity in my mind that is saying, is there something other than marketing that's telling me that this is a good test?
1: Well, do you guys feel complete on the ICP analysis, uh, on the ICP stuff? (laughs) Oh, I think it's
2: just getting started. It is just getting started, But
1: (laughs) but I think for the time being, Still, if you're in the ICP camp, go for it. I mean, just you're probably already doing this, but track the trends, you know. That's probably going to be your, your best case scenario at this point. I love the idea of sending it off when your tank is rocking, you know, and having that as a good baseline. There could still be stuff going on you don't know about, but, you know, at least an ICP test can, can trigger yeah, those. Yeah, and
0: I- criticisms, right, is I, I think that's the fun part of the hobby is... uh Jake and I completely disagreed on how to set up a reef tank, right? But that's okay. Like we had fun with that, and we would joust each other for it. So when I make fun of, I didn't. I don't think I made fun of. I guess that's nothing wrong with. When I say, look, I you know dosing little droppers of trace elements is not for me. I have no judgment against anybody that does that. Like if you have a kick-ass reef tank, like that's awesome, and if that's if that's your jam like we can we i hope we're friends and i hope you know we can talk coral and and then and it's fun to disagree with your friends about methodologies and get into the weeds of it so you know i i yeah i to me it's like i'm not sitting here saying like like the the forum warriors right The, the the internet keyboard warriors like get so riled up and it's like you know it's like well i you know I love like meeting a hobbyist that does something completely different than me. And he disagrees with me and I disagree with him, but damn, his tank's awesome. And, and then, yeah. and then you still drive home. Like maybe I'm wrong. Cause that's a sick <laughs> tank. Right. Yeah. You know, like that's I mean, the,
1: the amount of times that, that I said to myself, you know, maybe I should try the moonshiners method when we left Jeff's house. Yeah. And- And then I remember, you know, all those times when I was manually just topping off the tank with, you know, RODI and how annoying that was or manually dosing a tank. And I was like, how do you do 12 bottles or whatever of eight drops here, 15 drops here every single night? Like, and he travels a lot. So I'm wondering if his uh, if his fiance is doing the work for him when he's gone (laughs) because it's not automated. But for a guy like Jeff, who I learned very quickly, is a guy that is so in tune with detail, it makes perfect
0: sense. Oh, He's it's just, that's it's just how it showed he is. in the video. I mean, yeah. like, I appreciated his passion and his attention to detail, you yeah. know, that he thought about. I mean, you could see he yeah. thinks about every little thing, and I love that. I admire that. Um, I careful neglect, right? Like, I'm the wrong guy to do the zeovit method or the moonshiner <laughs> no, no. method, <laughs> you know, it's that's not my. Yeah, I tea. couldn't do it either.
2: I couldn't do what yeah. Jeff does. He's, he's incredible. That was that was so awesome. The way he had it set up and just the amount of effort that he's putting in, because like we said, it's not automated. He's manually doing all these things. Yeah. And those are all the things that I cannot do. I'm just, I know <laughs> I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to try and find those shortcuts.
1: It was funny because I think because Raj was down there while we were recording in the basement that was less than six feet tall. Uh, and Jeff fit perfectly, but Raj and I were up in the rafters the entire time. Um, and I think Raj thought he had him at one point. He was like, How do you get that UV sterilizer out? I- and he's like, "I'm glad you asked, because <laughs> he had a whole <laughs> method on how he got it out, because he had thought about that." So there was a yeah. scene where he's yeah.
0: standing underneath a copper pipe, and it like barely misses his head. And I'm sitting there yeah. like, "I hope he's really tall. Like, I hope like like the scale nope. is that you know yep. it's a." Seven foot ceiling and he's like six
2: foot ten or something. You, know? you, you should have seen this. All you would have seen are just neck. That, that's it. All this is blocked because yeah. we're in the rafters and it's just up to the neck.
1: You have to like duck under the ceiling to just get <laughs> into the basement. It was, uh, you know, it's, well, it's one of those houses that was probably built in the 19, early 1900s and wasn't ever utilized for anything other than, yeah. you know, coal for the house or however they heated the house back yes. then.
0: It's a hundred times better than Richard Ross's house. I don't know if you've seen the videos at uh, the like crawl space. Him. Oh my god, my <laughs> back just hurts watching it. Yeah. Like, I'd never put a sump there because I'd be like, nope, I'm not crawling around on my knees for that. Yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah. So again, kudos to have the motivation and discipline and energy to tackle you know a sump in a crawl space. I'd just be like, nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, leave your thoughts
1: on. Well, ICP. He is in San Francisco. Yeah, they
2: poop on the streets that's <laughs> true he probably takes a poop down there while he changes his skin <laughs> it's like the only probably
1: thing does. Raj has latched onto <laughs> the amount of times he said that in that episode with Rich uh, well if you have any ICP uh, comments leave them in the comment section below I hope that, that, that our, our discussion has kind of cleared this up a little bit um, as to the original intent behind the article and not to bash anybody but just to kind of show the variance and all of those things Uh, I wanted to get to some comments just before we leave. Um, Cheryl, I'm probably butchering this uh, handle, Cheryl Zondell says, you three never fail to entertain. I appreciate you guys made digging through the rat's nest that my son calls a room much more pleasant. Uh, I don't know if you're cleaning (laughs) your son's room for him, but that's awesome. Kudos to you. Uh, CMY Keith says, I've kept this hobby to myself for the most part, and that keeps it fun for me. Just here for the info. Great work, fellas. This is in regards to our last podcast where we talked about, you know, putting your stuff out online and just getting ripped to shreds by people who no more want to talk down to you or whatever the case may be. Um, It's
0: a good point because, you know, my online prior to having a podcast that I would show up for my online involvement, went like this and sometimes the best time was when i was just tuned out with what's going on in the reef keeping world and i just enjoyed my tanks yeah. so good comment
1: raj are you okay if i do that what's that tune out of everything and just <laughs> tune out you know what you do in the regular anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh let's see uh Bry- bryzen's reef says hey been following along for a while looking forward to hearing the updates I had a question possibly for next episode. How do you guys measure success in the hobby? That is a uh, big question there. That is a big question. I I almost think it would be like, you know, how would you define success for yourself in life? You know, is it finance? Is it happiness? Is it, you know, all those things?
2: I think Rebbe is a good picture of success.
1: Yeah. Man, look at this place. So It's just...
2: He's living the dream. He took a nap today. I don't. If you have can take a nap in the day, that's pretty. That's pretty successful.
1: I don't have an apparent dungeon in my basement, so.
2: <laughs> He's got a new tank going in. The city hauled away his tree for free. I mean, oh, it yeah. just keeps getting better. I love that yeah, that, that stuck true. out in your mind. It did. Um, it
1: did. Maybe, maybe something we can talk about in the next episode. Um <laughs>
0: I think it uh, doesn't matter how expensive or fancy your corals are. I think if they're thriving under your care, then that's success to me. You know yeah. what I mean? If it's a, what was yeah, the tank in St. Louis? Uh, green star polyps and what? And, and mushrooms. There yeah. you go. If they're thriving, that's success, man. We
2: love this tank. Hey, well, his bar was no algae on the rock. There you go. He succeeded in that. That is success. And
0: he is, I mean, obviously he's a curator at a zoo or whatever, but he's probably like, if he were a hobbyist, he'd be like 10 times happier than most of the people on the internet. (laughs) You know, it's just like, ignorance is like, this is great. You know? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Cloppy 1992 says, it's definitely all hobbies that deal with this kind of thing. Um, Like you just said, Mark said, stepping back from social media, getting... Uh, mindful with your aquarium being curious and grateful is the anecdote to burnout personal goals also help but you can only set up so many tanks I'm a new reefing hobbyist and I can say that I have loved the last nine months of reefing I am so grateful for Jake reef builders and reef therapy for slicing through all the BS and getting me to the fundamentals of reef keeping so I thought that was yeah. a cool comment
2: nice that's awesome
1: yeah. so just some, just some comments that I uh, thumb through real quick. Before we get out of here, uh, Raj, real quick, do you want to talk to people through Reefstock Chattanooga, maybe Ooh, yeah. um, vendor info, people that might be interested in vending tickets, things like that?
2: Uh, yeah. So the website should be updated, um, where you can go on. Vendors, exhibitors, you can go on and actually pick your booth. Um, Go through the whole sign-up process online. Makes it nice, quick, and easy. But if you've got questions, reach out to us. We can get you more info. Uh, same thing with the sponsorships. Uh, but Hotel Link is up there, so grab your rooms. We've got uh, some great rates on that. And there's going to be so many cool things to do while while we're there in Chattanooga. It's a really, really cool city. Um, we've got the Tennessee Aquarium there. There's mountains. There's hiking. So it's a good destination for to bring your family um and i know i'm gonna get out there and probably organize some stuff where we go hiking and just hang out so really looking forward to seeing everybody out there
0: That sounds awesome. Yeah. I feel like
1: (laughs) it's such an underserved part of the country when it comes to big reef shows like that. So I'm really, really hoping, no offense to like the Dallas's and Chicago's and Orlando's of the world, but I'm really hoping to really connect with some, some reef keepers in that area. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So it is Uh, such, I
0: mean, I, yeah, it's such a cool, I, I had no idea you were doing this until I saw the public announcement. So, you know, I'm not like this is not talking points. Like it is such a cool city and it's such a great aquarium, the Tennessee aquarium. So I, I think it'll be yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. We're
1: excited for sure. We're excited. So reefstock.show yeah. for all the information there. That'll get updated. I don't think tickets are on sale yet. Raj, is that right? But they will be here in the near future.
2: Yeah, If they're not already up, they'll be up very, very soon. Um, like tonight. <laughs> um <laughs> by the time this airs it'll be ups yeah okay cool
1: cool cool awesome well I uh, want to thank you for joining us tonight as always if you have any questions make sure to leave those in the comment section below if you're listening to the audio only version hit us up on all the Reef Builders socials if you've got any questions and we will see you in the next one goodbye guys thanks guys thanks